and want to share with you a time in the Bible. I want everybody open up to Exodus 33. This chapter changed my entire life with the Lord because it was something that I prayed uh, a long time ago when I, I got started in ministry, and I, and I'm, I made a vow to God. I said, God, I never want to become a professional preacher. I never want to get to a place where I'm numb. I never want to get to a place where I just go through the motions. And that song wrecked me. I never heard that song. Nothing else. Never heard that song before. Uh, and and it talked about going through the motions. It's just about sitting at the feet of Jesus. And it brought me back to this place where um, it's easy. It's easy uh, to drift. It's easy sometimes to lose focus and 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 lose intimacy with God. And this chapter right here completely changed my walk with God. And I want to share this with you. Because if, if, if there was ever a time in the Bible that uh, a person got bad news, because how many know that when you get bad news and, and something happens and you're at a crossroads in life, two things normally happen. You either go toward the Lord, you either t- go to God, or you run away from God. You get mad and you get bitter and you run away. You don't want to go to church no more. You don't want to hear nothing about God anymore. You just, you just want to give up and just say, that's it, forget about it. Or you run to God, Okay. In, in, in this moment right here, I want to set this up for you. The children of Israel, they just got out of Egypt. They just mar- marched out of Egypt. And, and here they are. They're, they're at a moment where Moses is called up onto the mountain. Dominic, turn me down just a little bit. I don't want to blow everybody away. And so Moses is called up on a mountain. He's on a mountain for 40 days. And he's getting, uh, he's getting, does anybody know what's going on with, with Moses on the mountain? Does anybody know? He's getting a new hairdo. What else? Huh? He, he's having an encounter with God. He's talking with the Lord. And he gets something. What does he get? Come on. He goes to the Christian bookstore up there, right? Gets two big tablets. And all these tablets are called the what? The Ten Commandments. Written the work of God and the hand of God. The finger of God wrote out these Ten Commandments. And so here is Moses. He's on top of the mountain. He's having this encounter with God. And then... While he's gone, how many know when the pastor's gone, everybody loses it? The whole church freaks out, okay? And that's what was happening. At the bottom of the hill, church was going to say, where's Moses? What happened to this guy? What are we going to do now? And they're all looking at the assistant pastor, Aaron. They're all looking at Mr. Assistant. They're saying, dude, where's your brother? He's tripping. He's gone. Make us a God. And watch this. He said, okay, give me your gold. Give me your earrings. He said, and let's see what happens. So he, he makes, he gets all their gold and he, he puts it through the fire and he fashions out, he makes his golden calf. And you know what he did? He said, this is the God who brought you out of Egypt. And you know what that word God was? Elohim. This is the almighty God that brought you out of Egypt. And then he said, we're going to make an altar to the Lord. And, the, and then he called it, then he called it Jehovah. He called it Yahweh. Here's Aaron, this is Moses' brother, and he, at first he said, this is Almighty God, this is the Lord, this is the one who brought you out of Egypt, and he, and he did this, and they began to eat and drink and dance and, and just carry on and all kind of craziness at the bottom of the mountain. Well, God begins to talk to Moses like, Mo, something's true, people's going off down there, you've got to go down there right now, you've got to find out what's going on, because he said they're, they're messing up. Moses comes down off the mountain, watch this. Can you picture this? He comes down off the mountain. He's got these two tablets in his hand. And he sees everybody dancing and 
drinking and naked and all this craziness and all this, all this sinful thing going on down there. And he sees this golden calf. And does anybody know what Moses does? What does he do? He takes the tablets and he throws them down. Busts the tablets. And then he goes and he draws a line in the sand and he says, whoever is with me and with the Lord, come here. And everybody but 3,000 people didn't cross the line. And it said that he turned to, the tri- to, to Levi and he turned to everybody. He said, take your sword put it, and put it through your brother, through your brethren, through your sons, through your friends, and kill them. And 3,000 people died that day. And then, you know what God began to say to Moses? He says, I'm not going to go with you. He said, these are some stiff-necked people. These people are stiff-necked. He said, I'm going to send you my angel. I'll give you my angel, and I'm paraphrasing for you. Follow me. He said, I'm going to give you the angel. I'm going to let the angel go before you and take away the Perizzite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Hivite, the Jebusite. I'm going to go ahead and send the angel. He said, but my presence is not going to go with you because I can consume you on the way. And so the people heard this bad news. Everybody say bad news. They heard that the angel was going to go, but not God. And so what does Moses do? Look at this. Let's look at Exodus 33. The Lord said, depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give, and I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, Perizzite, Hivite, and Jebusite. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go into your midst lest I consume you, for you are a stiff-necked people. Yes, that's in the Bible. And you, and when you, and, and when the people heard this bad news, they mourned, and no one put on their ornaments. For the Lord said to Moses, say to the children of Israel, you're a stiff-necked people. I could come into your midst in a moment, consume you, but now take off your ornaments, that I may know what to do with you. So the children of Israel... So the children of Israel stripped themselves of the ornaments. The children of Israel stripped themselves. This is a major crossroads. What good was the blessing of the promised land if God wasn't going to be there? He said, the angel of the Lord, this was not God's presence. He said, the angel of the Lord, I'll send the angel, but I'm not going to go. So the people had to make a decision. They had to strip away everything. You see, what you have to understand is that they were delivered out of Egypt, but they never had Egypt delivered out of them. You see, this was like they got born again. They got saved from slavery. They got saved from their bondage, but yet they never changed their thinking. You see, there's a lot of people who come to Christ and they accept Christ as their, li- and, and their Lord and, as their Savior, but He never becomes their Lord because they never get the world out of them. That's why they're still cussing, drinking, gossiping, committing adultery, and lying, and, che- and, and, and they never cha- behavior never changes. So the children of Israel were delivered out of Egypt, but Egypt was never out of them. We have to strip ourselves. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside and strip away every weight that sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run this race with endurance. Now watch this. Moses does something radical. 
What you got to understand is that while he was on the mountain with God, God told him how to make the tabernacle. Everybody say tabernacle. Now, I love this part. The word tabernacle means sacred space. It means a sacred dwelling. And so he told Moses how to make the linens and how to make the draperies and how big it was supposed to be and all the different rooms in the tabernacle and how it was supposed to be. But now Moses is in a whole different situation. Now Moses now encounters the fact that the children of Israel are at a crossroads. He just found out that the presence of God is not going to go with them. Now the angel's going to go with them. So you know what Moses does? He takes his own house, he takes his tent, and he takes it outside the camp. And he calls it the tabernacle of meeting. This was what not God, God did not tell him to do this. This was a radical move on Moses' part here to say, guess what, God? I need to meet with you. I need to get closer to you. I need a sacred space. Everybody say sacred space. I need a sacred place to meet with you right now. I don't have time to build the tabernacle. I understand that you want how you want it done, but I'm going to take my tent. How many know that God wants your house to be a sacred space? Come on. God wants our homes to be a place where his presence is. Not a place where there's constant cursing and fighting and husbands against wife and battling in the house. You know what the Bible says about that? Where there's envy and strife, every type of evil is there. When there's constant envy, when there's constant strife, fighting and fussing and pulling in a tug of war inside of a home where husband and wife is against each other, children are disrespecting their parents, it's like a lightning rod for evil. Every type of evil thing is there. The Bible says that in James. Why do you think this, you know, we open up doors to spirits in our home. God wants our homes to be places of worship, to be places of prayer, to be places where God comes and visits us. And Moses takes his tent and pitches it outside the city. Notice he took it outside of the camp. Now watch this, let's keep reading. Moses took his tent, I'm in verse 7. And pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp. And he called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. Now this was open to everybody. Say everybody. everybody. This was open to everybody. He said, let's go have church. Let's get away. But notice it was far away. It was outside the camp. This was not a, you know, I'm holier than you moment that Moses was having. This was a time where he had to separate. Can I say this? Those who choose to chase after God, it's going to cause you to separate from some things. You see, there are too many people in the church today that that don't want to separate themselves. They don't want to go after God. I'm talking about going after God today. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting outside the camp. So it was, I'm in verse 8. When Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people rose, each man stood in his tent door and watched Moses until he went to the tabernacle. It got their attention. Moses, as he went in, and it came to pass, as Moses entered the tabernacle, that the pillar of cloud descended and stood upon the door, the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. Now watch this. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and they worshiped each man in his tent door. And the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Now watch this. It got their attention, but they didn't go out to the, to the tabernacle. It goes on to say that each man stood in their door. 
You see, there's a lot of people that watch people, they enter into the presence of God, but they never do. Have you ever been in, in a time in, in service? Maybe, you know, it was just now, honestly, the presence of God was manifesting himself in a great way. And some people choose to enter in while some don't. And this was exactly the picture that Moses had here, that Moses entered in, but a lot of people just stood in their door. And we wonder why we're not experiencing the presence of God. We wonder why we're not experiencing the, uh, the fullness of God. Because we want to go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, uh, honey, you go to church. You bring the wife and kids to church. I'm going to stay home today. They stay home while the wife and kids go to church. Or they stay home while the other family, while the other friends go to church. But God wanted Moses, Moses wanted more of God. Are you still with me? But watch this. There was a young man named Joshua who never left the place. He never left the place. He wanted more of God. Now listen to this. Verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, you say to me, bring up this people, but you haven't let me know who you'll send with me. And you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. Verse 14, and God says this, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. And then Moses takes it a step further and says this, if your presence does not go with us, don't even bring us up from this place. And I know that a lot of us, we have this shirt, and we have from our last pursuit conference, we have this, this verse on the back of our shirt, on the back of our jacket. I remember I was in the hospital and, uh, when uh, my wife was going through her surgeries, and, and I, had the, I had the jacket on, and I had guys come up to me and say, man, I really love the scripture on At, at first, I, I forgot what the scripture was on the back. I said, what's on the back of here? Anyway, I had to look back. Oh, yeah. Moses was saying, if my presence doesn't go with you, go with us. Don't even bring us up from this place. And I began to think about that. It's like, wow, there are so many times that, you know, we, we, have these, we can have these shirts and we can have these conferences where we declare a thing, but then we forget about what just happened. We can, we can have a name that we're really alive, but inside we're really dead and we're really empty. What would happen if the body of Christ would begin to change the mentality and say, God, I just want you. Now, you... I know that this may challenge a lot of people, but this is what challenged me. This is what challenged me when I, when I was serving the Lord, and then God was saying, Aaron, do you want to be a church member for all your life, or do you want to be a God chaser? Or do you want to chase after me? Do you want to encounter the presence of God? Do you want to know me intimately? Because Moses was this guy. Moses was, he was so radically in love with God that he was willing to do anything. He was like, God, I, I appreciate your angel, and I appreciate, you know, the miracles, but what good is the promised land without your presence? What good is the healing without the healer? What good is the blessing without the blesser? You see, there's a lot of us in here that will be fine uh, with the blessing. We'll be fine with the blessing. And you know what happens after that? We forget about God. We get healed, and all of a sudden we forget about God. We get our breakthrough, then we forget about God. You see, Moses didn't want to do that. He was like, God, 
Don't even take me from this place if your presence doesn't go. You see, the word presence meant face, the face of God. He's like, God, if your face isn't here, if your presence isn't here, what good is it? Moses was a God chaser. Moses wasn't happy with just going through the motions of church. He just wasn't happy with just having a little bit of God. And see, our appetite is so small when it comes down to the Lord, when it comes down to the house of God. We get bored during worship. Worship went on for an hour today. That's a little long, isn't it? How long do we got to sing? Nothing else. I don't know. I could have been singing that song for another hour. I would have been fine. Pastor, I'm just not at that level yet about worshiping for that long. I'm not at that level yet. To, you know, I'm not, that, I'm not that spiritually mature yet. Can I tell you, the presence of God has nothing to do with spiritual maturity. The presence of God has everything to do with your desperation. Do you know what that looks like? Those are people who are desperate for a miracle. Those are people that are desperate for breakthrough, that are desperate for the presence of God. That's what God chasers look like. Because I've seen people have been in church for 50 years, and they're not running after God. There are some that are, that are been in the church for 50 years. And I say, praise God, you've been in church for a long time, and you're still chasing after God, then I say, praise the Lord. Man, I've been in some meetings before. Maybe you have, Jack. Maybe you've seen some of it. You know, I, I've gone to some of these conferences and some of these camp meetings and stuff like that. And, 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 the, and there'll be some preachers in there, and their suits are real tight, and they're all just... You know, and, and then, you know, they're just all looking around and they're all saying, praise God, brother. You know what I mean? And, 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 and they're just like stiff and they're just tight. I'm like, dude, are these guys saved? And I'm looking around like, you know, nothing. And, and like, I see people weeping and chasing and going after God. And these guys are just like, bless God, you know, who's singing next? And 58 specials and all these other things. And it's like, you know, where's, and, and, and they're not encountering God anymore. And, and that's why I said, God, please don't ever, please, God, kill me before I get there. I don't ever want to get to a place where I'm numb to your presence. And I'm no longer moved by, by the Spirit of God. God, don't ever let me get into a place where I just go through the motions of church. God, what, what is that all about? And can I say this? God chasers always irritate uh, the religious, you know? They always say, what is the purpose of all that? Why do you have to be so loud? Why do you have to go after God? Why do you got to lay down on your face? Why do you got to cry? And all, why do you got to go after Why? Because I, I just want him. Come on, is this touching everybody, anybody this morning? Is this getting to you? I just want God. I'm telling you, this is what changed everything about me. Is when Moses had this encounter with God, it changed his life forever. He's like, God, if your presence doesn't go with me, don't even bring me from this place. Basically, Moses was saying, God, if your presence doesn't go, man, just, just kill me. Just take me out right now because I can't live without your presence. Moses was like, how else will anybody know the difference? It's the presence of God that makes the difference in people's lives. It's the presence of God that makes people different. And then he went on to say this. He says, show me your glory. Show me now your glory. Moses wanted to know the, the heaviness of God. Because the word glory there means kabod, which means the heaviness, the weight of God. And he was like, show me your glory. Moses kept pushing, the, he kept pushing it. God, I want your presence. I want to see the glory of God. I want more of you. 
And then God said, okay, I'll make my goodness pass before you. I'll proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. But then he said this. God took it to a whole other level. He said, you can't see my face, for no man can see me and live. What God was saying at this moment was, only dead men can see me. Only people who are completely dead to themselves can really see the presence of God. You know, the reason why so many people in the body of Christ never experience the fullness of God is because we still want to feed our flesh. We still want everything, and we want God to. We want to experience the world, and we want to experience God. We want to have one foot in the world and one foot in God. We want to have, you know, Jesus said it best. He says, what, what does the plate of demons or the, the cup of demons have to do with the cup of, of God? And, and there are many people in the church, and, 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 we play, and we play this game, and we play these God games, and, and, and we say we want God, but then we're not experiencing his fullness, and we're not experiencing the fullness of God in our homes. We're not experiencing the fullness of God in, in, in our families. And we're wondering, God, where are you? And God is saying, where are you? Where's your heart? Do you want, you want me more than you want the stuff, or do you just want the stuff? And that's what God is asking today. Will you rise up? Will you say, I'll go after God. I'll enter in. You see, there's a lot of people that that just want to stay back. Nobody wants to enter in. But God is asking today, would you be a God chaser? Jesus said it best. He says, if anyone chooses to follow after me, let him what? Deny himself, take up his cross, come follow me. In fact, in, in the altar, in, in, the, in the temple, and we was talking about this yesterday, the, in the temple, the first place that you come to is the brazen altar. So God put the brazen altar right there at the very beginning because he wants people to know that, you know what? If you want more of me, the only way that you come into my presence is if you have to die to yourself first. So the first thing that, that God wanted was to, for you to smell is the burning flesh because the place of the altar was uh, not a nice place. It was a place where things died. In fact, if you fast forward to the New Testament in Romans, it says, I I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. Then in verse 2 it says, and don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Did you hear that? Be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, I can't serve the Lord if I still pattern my life after the world. If my values and my my way of thinking is the same way as the world thinks, I'll never experience the fullness of God. I'll never experience the presence of God. No man can see me and live. Now, I love this part. Sister Teresa, can you come and just play? Softly. And uh, Jackie, come on up there as well. Because I want to give everybody an opportunity to really encounter God today. But it, it, takes, it takes dying to self. It takes moving out of the place where we are right now and moving into a place of intimacy with God. You know, Stephanie, as I was sitting there watching you share 
I see a, a, a difference inside of you as well. And the thing that I see different is, is uh, brokenness. Not that you weren't broken before, but there was something, something more. To... God didn't allow this to happen to crush you. God's allowing things to happen in your life to, to bring glory to him. And even though we may, may not really understand it or, or even agree with the moment, we, tr we trust that God's plans is perfect. And what I see in both you and Oscar is, 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 is a dying to self. And there are many in here this morning that are saying, you know, what does that mean to die to yourself? I hear that a lot. Take up your cross. I hear that a lot. I hear about, you know, God, about no flesh and all that. Well, God doesn't want me to have fun. God doesn't want me to enjoy my life. God doesn't want me to enjoy uh, things. That's not true. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. When God said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, what God was looking for was complete devotion. The word devotion there means single-minded loyalty. That we put no other gods before him. That we put no other gods before him. And that's what God is saying today. Would you put no other God before him? Would you completely say, you know what, God? It's, it's I that no longer lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. And God said this. I love this part. He said, here is a place by me. And you shall stand on the rock. This is a foreshadowing of Jesus. And so it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face you shall not see. And it was in this moment here that God's presence began to cross over in front of Moses and he saw the backside. And I believe that as the glory of God began to pass by Moses, all of a sudden, he began to see, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He began to see creation. God began to show him how it was created. God began to show him Adam and Eve. God began to show him the fall of man, the flood of Noah. God began to show him these things. You see, when we have intimacy with God, and God becomes our number one, the mysteries of God is revealed. The mysteries of God are revealed to the desperate. It has no, nothing to do with your length of time in church. It has everything to do with your desperation. It has everything to do with your passion for God, your conviction for the things of God. And that's what God is raising up today. He's raising up a generation of God chasers. God is raising up a, a generation that will just seek the face of God, who just wants more of Him. He's raising up a generation that will pray and fast just because they get to. Not because they have to. Not just because, you know, pastor calls for a fast. But now we're praying and fasting and we're believing God for great things. Last night, you know, I'm, I'm talking to my wife and I'm, and I'm, I'm telling her all, how impossible the situation is. And I love when I talk to her because she never, uh, she never sides in with me. <laughs> she never says, yeah, you know what, hon? You're right. Let's just forget it. Where I know maybe her flesh would probably want to say that. 
But the Spirit of God inside of her says, Hunt, isn't this the year of great faith? Remember, you said that to me last night. She said, isn't this the year that with God nothing is impossible? And this is her telling me she's had two surgeries this year for hernias. Still in pain today. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's right, God. With God, nothing is impossible. In your presence, anything, anything can happen in your presence. And so God brings people into your life to remind you that this is still the year of nothing is impossible. That this is still the year of great faith. That with God, nothing is impossible. And there are many of us here today who are saying, God, you know, you're waiting for breakthrough and you're waiting for, waiting for the healing. But God is saying, want me more than the healing. Want me more than the breakthrough in your home. The presence of God. Who wants his presence? Who wants his presence more than anything? Let's stop declaring things, but not walking in them. We want to walk in the things that we're declaring. We, we want to walk in the things that we're believing God for. There are many of us here today that you need breakthrough in your life. You need a miracle in your life. The only thing that's going to do it is the presence of God. Thank you, Lord. Close our eyes just for a moment. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, for your presence. I thank you for the hand of God that's upon us today. But, Lord, we pray, God, if your presence doesn't go before us, don't even take us from this place. Because, God, what good is your presence? What good is the blessing if your presence doesn't go with us, God? We need your presence. We need the face of God. Because we know that when we have the face of God, we have everything. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would enter into a place of worship. That we would enter into a place of prayer. That we would enter into a place of intimacy. In Jesus' name. I want every person to stand to your feet all over this place. I want to ask you this question. The same way Moses asked the children of Israel. He said, whoever's with the Lord, come over here on this side. Now listen, before you make this decision, I want you to count the cost. I want you to begin to think about what you're, what you're committing yourself to. This is not just an ordinary altar call. This is, this is an altar call to say, you know what, God? I want more of you. This is an altar call for the hungry. This is an altar call for the desperate. This is a call to say, listen, if you want more of God, I don't know exactly what that looks like, but you're desperate, you're hungry, and you're thirsty for more. Then I'm asking you today, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to step out of your seat and to walk up to this altar. I'm asking for those that's hungry and thirsty for more. But you got to think about it. The first thing that Moses said to him, he says, strip away. Strip away the things. Strip away the ornaments. Strip away the distractions. Strip away the things that, that are bringing you away from God. Strip it away. So begin to think about that right now. Begin to think about the things that you and I, we need to strip away. Strip away the unbelief. Strip away the hurt. Strip away the pride. Strip away the anger. Strip away the unforgiveness. Strip away the worry. Just strip it off right now. Come on. Every person begin to pray.